The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and you're going to love the show today because I know so many of my listeners are animal lovers. And before I introduce our guest today, I have to tell you, I am the recipient of one of the dogs that she bred, Jasmine, who is absolutely wonderful, and I'll talk about that more later, but when I met this person, I was so impressed when I talked to her on the phone, not just about what she does, but about including people with disabilities. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to our show Amy Dawson-Smith, who is the owner of AJLS Yorkies. Amy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Joyce, and thanks for having me. It's quite an honor to be on here. Well, it's an honor to have you. So, Amy, see, anyone that gives me Jasmine, that I buy Jasmine from, they're going to be on television as far as I'm concerned. But, Amy, why don't we start, for our listeners throughout the country, uh, telling them why you decided to become a breeder, and then why did you choose Yorkies? Well, I never really set out to be a breeder. Ever since I was a little kid, I've done everything from, like, I would rescue, find little eggs, uh, robin eggs in the yard and, and make them incubators and hatch them. And I uh, used to gather up pollywogs and keep them until they turned into frogs. And I had hamsters and gerbils and bunnies and cats and dogs. Um, we, I even found um, a big box turtle. We had a baby raccoon that we rescued and we kept until the game warden made us, you know, turn it out to the wild. And my dad even, it was okay to import at that time, and he imported a monkey. So I've kind of always been an oh, animal person. Oh, you had a monkey. I had a monkey. Oh, my gosh. His name was Mo, after Satchmo, uh, Louis Armstrong. And it was one of the greatest experiences ever. He, it was so captivating. He would, like us kids, we would lay on the floor um, and watch TV and have our heads on the pillow. And he'd come over and he'd sit on us. And if we were eating an apple, he'd take the apple from our hands and take a bite and then put it back in our hands. And it was just fun, fun, fun. Wow. And, yeah. It was real. So I've always kind of been an animal person. And um, my mother didn't tolerate it very much. She didn't like it, but she she put up with it something as much as she could. Um, she was fine until one of the days um, our cat uh, brought jumped in the front window with a, a snake, and that kind of <laughs> that kind of detoured her a little bit. But um, I married a man that loves animals too, and I've just always been around them. And my sister, who um, she now lives in Arizona, but while she was living in Ohio, she was a Chihuahua breeder, and I. It just horribly teased her and told her she was crazy. I said, this is just ridiculous. This is so much work. This is really, really hard. And lo and behold, years later, I evolved into one. What happened was I was at the vet one day with one of my golden retrievers, and there was a little old lady in there 
that had to be um, placed in a nursing home. She was not going to be able to live on her own anymore. And because her Yorkie, his name was Fang, he didn't have any teeth, and he was elderly, nobody would take him. And I said, you know what, I'll take him. And she was faced with actually bringing him in there to put him to sleep. Oh, and no. I couldn't bear that. I just couldn't bear that. I mean, the poor one was going through enough agony as it was. I can't imagine how, how it was at. So we rescued Fang, brought him home. He lived two more years, toothless and all, and he was so much fun. To the day he passed away, he was nothing but happiness. He would sit on your lap. He would chase the ball. And just watching him run through the yard was just pure joy. You could tell he just enjoyed being a puppy, you know, a dog. So um, when he passed, um, I missed him terribly, and I got uh, a girl Yorkie. I, I have a preference, you know, I like girls a lot. So I got her, and then about three months later, I thought, you know what, she's lonely. I'll get her a buddy room. So I got a second one. And then lo and behold, I came across the third one, and my <laughs> husband came home one day, and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea. I didn't realize I was going to have three, and they were no work at all. I mean, they're like little kids, so they're really nothing different than raising your own kids. And I slowly evolved into becoming a breeder. It was not my intention, and I had to eat my words with my sister and apologize to her. <laughs> so it just happened. How about that? And that's how you selected the Yorkie through that thing that happened with you. Right, with Fang. Yes, exactly. And um, I'd, I'd had other breeds of dogs. I'd had um, Golden Retrievers. I'd had Labs. Um, we had a Samoyed, and I sometimes pronounce that wrong, but we had that too, um, and, and a couple other breeds of dogs. But the Yorkie is its unlike any other breed of dog ever. It's more human-like. Um, they're very expressive. They tell you everything with their eyes. They tell you everything with their body movements. They are, you know, if you just look at them, you can read what they're saying to you. They're very, they're very good at expressing themselves. Um, the fact that they don't shed, that they just want to make you happy and to love you and to cuddle with you and to play with you. Um, they're just different. It really is. I've always been like a mommy and a nurturer, and I enjoy having my children. Um, we had two children, and then um, we had always wanted four, but we weren't able to make our family any bigger. And to this day, I would still adopt at any time. My husband says we're too old, but anyways, I would still adopt. So I've always been a nurturer, and the dogs and the puppies let me do that and express that. And it just it's just something that feels good, and it's something that I can pass on to other people too. Well, I, they are absolutely <laughs> I always say they're like little people. They are. Or as they're, you said, like children. They, they are. are. They're just they like are, little, and they're smart. They are they're super really smart. smart. Super smart. And they love it when you praise them. Um, I All my training, um, because I've done dog shows and all of that, I've, I've done what's called free baiting, which means you can train them, and you do not give them a treat for a reward. You just use praise. And mm-hmm. they're happy with that. They train for that because that, they live for you, and you live for them. It, they just enhance your life. They, they're like having little kids around. They're just hairier, you know. <laughs> they just—they're really communicating. And yeah. um, once you've had a Yorkie, you always want a Yorkie because you didn't realize how wonderful of a breed they are. And that—that's what makes them different from other breeds. Other breeds—I mean, I love other dogs and everything else. Don't get me wrong, but Yorkies are different. They are more human-like in everything that they do. They are. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I do. They are absolutely, and I just want to say one thing mm-hmm. about Amy. Um, when you get a puppy from Amy, it is amazing 
how different they are. And what I'm meaning by that, already using a pad when they go to the bathroom or knowing, learning that easily, but also, Amy, tell them how you do not keep them in crates. Tell them what you do. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm highly opposed to that. What happens is, and and this is all just from how I feel in, in this, um, if you put a, a puppy, and this can be any breed, and I know a lot of people, professional, you know, people that have, you know, more books and things like that, they'll tell you to crate train them. But when you crate train them, first of all, these are babies. And when you get any puppy, until they're about eight months of age, they do not have the muscle development to control their bladders or their bowels on their own. So what happens is you put them in a crate, which is the same thing as if you took your 18-month-old child and shoved them in a closet and shut the door. And whether you're going to be gone for 15 minutes, two hours, or four hours, it's a terrifying experience for them, and it alters them forever. It just creates anxiety. And you're asking them to do something that they physically cannot do. So you're creating anxiety in, that, in them also. Um, through that experience, you're giving them a double, a double whammy at one time. And what I do that's different is I, um, at nighttime, they're in playpens or when I leave the house, they're in playpens. And this goes all the way through their puppyhood and into adulthood. And what, what's really nice about a playpen is, number one, they can see out of all the sides. You can wheel the playpen from room to room to room. You can put it in this little sleeve and take it to a hotel with you or take it on vacation or take it to a friend's house, and it's easy to transport. But what it does is you can put the dog's bed in there. You can put their piddle pad in there in case they have an accident because that is going to happen. And a playpen is a wipeable surface. You take your um, Lysol or your Clorox wipes if there's an accident that misses the piddle pad, and you clean it up. It's really easy. So you're not, you don't have the anxiety of, oh, my gosh, the puppy went and it didn't anything. You know, it made a mess that is going to be difficult to clean up because it's not. But the puppy feels safe in there. They're controlled so that they can't chew electrical cords. They can't get themselves into trouble and things like that because um, they're in a safer environment. And you put their food and water in there. Let's say you're intending on being gone for four hours and your friends calls you and say, hey, let's go see a movie, you can be gone a little bit longer knowing that they're safe and that they're not upset mentally either, that they're, they're feeling happy. And it just works really well. It's a wonderful feeling for the moms, too, because they can raise their puppies in there, and they know that when they're out and they're playing around that their puppies are safe. And so it's just a very soothing experience for them. And then what I do also is when they're not free running through the house, um, it so that the other puppies, when they're introduced from, from puppy, you know, a group of puppies to another puppy, is I put them in what's called an exercise pen. And I have different shapes and sizes for these. But what that does is, too, it, it expands their environment, but yet keeps them in a c- controlled situation. But yet they, again, don't have the anxiety because they can freely move around. So hate crate training. It just, it's just not a good experience. So when I got Jasmine and I got the uh, pack and play mm-hmm. or playpen, whatever you want to call right. it, the Jasmine was like, great, yeah. used to this. Yeah. You know, whereas I've seen people when they get a puppy and they're in the crate, of course mm-hmm. they're crying all the time, which oh, you yeah. can see why. Yeah. Uh, but I never had this, never had this one time. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm able to take her, if I take her to work, um, you know, I had the pack and play, mm-hmm. of course, now, She's 
you know, out of the pack and play. But uh, I just can't tell you. I could really see a difference. I could. Mm-hmm. I could really see what a good thing you did by doing right. it that well, way. It, it makes a huge impression on them, and what happens is they're self-confident then because they know when they're safe, but they know when they can get out and expand, and they feel good in any situation because they have their, their escape place, their little pack-and-play, you know, and it's just a wonderful way for them to feel secure and for you to feel secure too. You can leave, you know, the room and they're okay. Now, they may want you to wheel the you know, the, the crib from one room to the other because they do want to be near you, because, but that's the nature of the breed. But it does build up good good feelings. It helps with the bonding um, because they feel secure with you. They know that you're taking care of them. You're going to put them in a safe place and give them their downtime. They have a nice place to go and take a nap. You know, um, when friends come over, let's say you have a group of uh, children come over and you're worried that they may pick up the puppy, you've got a nice safe place to put the puppy and to keep the puppy safe and everything, and they they respond to that. So it's just a really good, good situation for them. And just as you said, it's amazing how how from you doing this, it's not a big deal for the puppy. No, it's not a big deal. They transition really, really well to um, their new home because you're keeping up with the same kind of a system, what they're used to. Um, and, and that, again, breeds confidence in them that, okay, I'm going to be okay. This person knows what's going on. You know, that's why we send along a blanket that has the scent from home because these things all help them transition. Um, they all go with their pacifiers, um, and that is also used because that's something they're used to. They tease on them. And, again, is the more things that you keep them used to, the quicker they adapt and the easier the bonding is with you because they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm just at their house, but I know how this works and I know how this works and I know how that works. So it's a really good situation. And if you don't do that right in the beginning, you know, when you're imprinting on them, you know, you you can't recapture that time. That time's lost and you have to do it right, which is another reason why we keep them till they're closer to 12 weeks of age too so that, it's a better experience for you. They've, they have learned more doggy behaviors. They've been in the environment longer. We've watched them longer. We know that they're eating correctly so that you have a reduced risk of hypoglycemia um, because in this particular, in toy breeds, you do have to watch out for hypoglycemia. It's less of a risk at four months, but um, you, do, you want to keep aware of that. Now, a lot of um, unreputable breeders will send a puppy out the door eight weeks, six weeks, eight, nine, ten weeks, and we don't do that. What we do is we start weaning them a little bit at six weeks, but we don't push it. You know, they may be away from the mommy for during the daytime, but yet have a mommy at night. And the mom and the babies kind of tell me when it's time to pull them for, you know, all day and all night. And that really helps, too. You have to read what the puppies are saying because they are babies, and you have to read. Their mommy knows what's best. And if she's having a lot of anxiety about, like, oh, i got to get back in with those puppies, then she knows that they're not ready to be away yet. So you do have to read your dogs and puppies, and you shouldn't force them into something that they, they're not ready for. Puppies right. also go through two fear periods, one at about seven weeks, one at about nine weeks. So, again, if you're a breeder and you send the puppies out too soon, they haven't gone through that fear period, that can stay with them. So you're taking them while they're during the fear period and putting them in a fearful situation, which is a new home, and you're just going to have a puppy with a lot of anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I... I know you're going to want to hear more, and later on, of course, we're going to be talking about disabilities. But right Right. now, we're getting ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Amy Dawson-Smith, 
greeter, nationally known, and we're going to be talking about something you'll be interested. But right after break, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're talking to Amy Dawson-Smith, owner of of AJJL's Yorkies. Did I say that right? AJJ. Yeah, I mean, it's I had to make sure I included them all. Pardon me? It's AJJLS. AJJLS. For there we go. Amy Jen Josh Lee Smith. <laughs> oh, well, now we know how you got that. Yep, that's uh, but anyway, we've been talking to her. She's a nationally known breeder of Yorkies, and I have to admit, I am biased. Because this is how I got Jasmine, Jasmine Bender. She's known as the Bender Dog. And just as Amy noted, you will see her on Facebook from my executive vice president and close friend Paula, from Mary, my chief operating officer, from everyone here. Everyone knows uh, Jasmine, and um, and of course, my husband loves Jasmine. So we have two Yorkies. We have an older Yorkie that, believe it or not, is almost 17 years old now. And we have 
uh, Jasmine, who is wonderful. And we've been talking to Amy about all of this. And, you know, I do want to ask you a question, but first, Amy, I do have a question for you sure. from one of my listeners, and it is from Mary in Kansas. And here's your question. Um, Amy, I just love Yorkies. You probably know that there are those of us that once we are Yorkie owner, we're always a Yorkie owner, or, or to me, Yorkie baby. But what I wanted to ask you is what is your opinion of a family with children purchasing a Yorkie? Great question. I get asked this all the time. Now, me, I'm sitting here waiting for grandchildren. Hopefully I'll have those in the next few years. Um, I think Yorkies are great with children as long as you adhere to a couple of things. And the first thing is you need to get the right size for the youngest child in the family and that child's friends because you don't want to create um, a nervous situation with the child. You don't want to have to be on pins and needles every time the child gets near the puppy because you're trying to protect the puppy. So what you do is you get the biggest Yorkie you can for that child. So Let's say you're a family with three kids. You have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old. You're going to gear the size Yorkie for the 4-year-old. And then that 4-year-old's friends, because while your 4-year-old may be great with the Yorkie, not necessarily the kids' friends when they come for a play date. And you just don't want to create a lot of tension or create a bad experience for them. So what I recommend in that case is to get a larger Yorkie, a Yorkie that's going to be in the sixth seven pound or even beyond um and that works better now you've got 10 year old a 12 year old and a 13 year old you can go to a smaller yorkie but you should also bear in mind the personalities of each child in the family are they a little bit rougher so you want a bigger one or are they all very gentle so you would be safe with a younger one and that's where the playpen comes in handy too because you can take the playpen and again when their friends come over put the puppy in a playpen and keep the puppy in a safe place now i am big on socializing all the puppies with children i've been blessed enough to have several friends that have children and grandchildren that come over for play dates with the puppies and this is important to do at the first beginning of their life so that they imprint that kids are okay and this is another reason why you raise them in your house because, you know, kids are going to stomp their feet. They're going to get excited. They're going to be loud. They're going to drop toys. They're going to bounce toys and things make noise. So you want to keep up with those things, and you need to get that imprinted in the puppies in the beginning. So, again, Yorkies are fabulous with kids, but you have to choose the right Yorkie for the children in the family. Yeah, this makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. if you had a small Yorkie, such as Jasmine. Right. And you had kids in the house, but maybe five or six year olds sort of rambunctious. Exactly. You have to really be careful. I mean, right. You really have to be careful. So you I really think that's do. good advice. And thanks for the question. Well, um, Amy, as I've already told everyone, you are known nationally. But, you know, a lot of people I, that I've talked to since then, they've asked me this question. Well, Joyce, we know that you. Um, got jasmine from a breeder you know why didn't you just go to a pet store Mm. now of course i have my answer but i thought maybe you could explain to our listeners what is the difference between just going to a pet store versus going to a uh, well-known breeder well pet stores are notorious for purchasing from puppy mills and backyard breeders and what they do is they'll go out and they'll buy a puppy from these people 
for two or three hundred dollars. Then they put it in the pet store and they sell it to you for the same price as getting it from a breeder. And what happens is they haven't, they don't know where that puppy came from. They don't know what lifestyle that puppy came. They don't really know if that puppy had adequate medical attention, or more importantly, that the mother had medical attention. If the whatever the mom is, you know, as far as food and her nutrition and dentals and vaccinations and her veterinary care, that passes to the puppies, and that's forever. So what happens is they go to puppy mills, they get them, they put them in the stores, and you're getting puppies that haven't socialized correctly. They're going to have all kinds of um, physical ailments. They're going to have mental ailments also, and that's what you're purchasing. What happens is there's a lot of them that will go to a veterinarian, be examined, and they have um, parvo. They have... Which, by the way, parvo is really hard to cure. If you can cure it and if your puppy can live through it, it's going to cost you several thousand dollars to fix. They Again, when they're getting them from a puppy mill, they don't know if they have bad hearts, bad lungs, bad hips, bad eyes, bad hearing. And you fall in love with this puppy. You bring it home. You're bonding with it. The puppy's bonding with you, and then you've got all these thousands and thousands of dollars of issues later or you can't get that puppy trained, it has social issues, it's timid, it's afraid, it won't bond, it's got behavioral problems. And that's what happens when you get a puppy from a pet store. Oh, that, that, you know, that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. And that would be so disappointing to the owner. Right. Now, you talked about a puppy mill. What is that? What is a puppy mill? Okay, a puppy mill, mill is normally where they take um, females and they take males and they put they breed them together, and the females live basically most of their life in a cage, forced to have puppies, and then they raise the puppies in the cage. And they're not held. They aren't touched. They're just given basic, like, here's your food, here's your water. They're not taking the vets. They don't have dentals. They don't get their shots. They're not socialized. And that's what they're forced into. It's kind of like a, a forced situation and they'll stack these cages on top of each other just on top of each other and they don't care if the mom is sick you know and and she needs help they just don't take her they're like oh well we aren't gonna put the money into into that and that's the mentality of these puppy mills they're dirty they don't give them the correct nutrition they buy the cheapest food that they can and what you put into your dog is is important as what you know you put into it physically too physically and mentally, and you're getting a bad product, then you get a puppy who was born in that situation taken out and put into a a pet store. Well, if the breeder doesn't want to meet the people that the puppy is going to, then you know that puppy wasn't loved and cared for in the beginning. And that's going to reflect, and that puppy's with you for the next 14 to 16 years. So you really want to stay away from puppy mill puppies and backyard breeders, too, who just think, oh, well, I bought a dog from here, and I got a dog from there, and I'm going to put them together. I'm going to have puppies. Well, they don't know what the genetics are. They don't know what the pedigree is. They don't know what the, the things to look for. They don't know proper training. They don't know what they need, you know, nutritionally. They don't know what they need veterinary-wise and stuff. So those are kind of the situations that you want to stay away from. Wow. Is that legal to do that? Unfortunately, it is. Um Oh, that's terrible. It, that it is, is terrible. terrible. It is really, really terrible. Now, the um, like with an AKC breeder, which is the American Kennel Club, we are inspected and our dogs are DNA certified. And by DNA certified means if I put 
this male with this female and I sell you these puppies, if AKC has the right to come and DNA that puppy and it needs to track back to the mother and father that I registered that litter under and they can track generation after generation after generation, if I make a mistake, then I can lose my rights to show a dog and to register litters for like up to five years. So you really want an AKC breeder. You want somebody who is held to those higher standards. We are inspected, not only our premises and how we raise the dogs, but we are inspected on our records, too, our record keeping. So we have to be precise with everything. Um, each one of our dogs is identifiable with um, microchips and that. And, you know, for me in particular, I keep all my veterinary records, and I know some other really reputable breeders that will do the same thing, too. Now, on my website, I put my veterinary references up there and client references so people can call and say, hey, what's this breeder like before they even call me to check out my puppies? And that's the type of breeder you want to work with. We Full open disclosure. Ever, anything you want to know, come and see it. You want to come and see how I do this, come and see it. You want to know about this, come and see it. And a good breeder will give you that information because they're proud of what they're doing. And that's right. They have nothing to hide. Right. The other people, they don't know. They don't know. Well, listen, before we go to break, just to really reinforce that point about Amy, she said to me, hey, if you need anything, Mm -hmm. early morning, night, middle of the night, no matter when it is, you call me. Well, there I am on the phone, and there she was answering the phone, and she really is really a good person. So um, I I hope you'll check it out. But right now, We're going to go back to break, and then we'll be back to talk more to Amy Dawson-Smith. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Did you know that half of America's children will have at least one step-parent by the time they are 15 years old? Throughout history, children have been raised by step-parents, and that number continues to rise. Tune in to Step Wisdom with host Eleanor Alden for topical and historical research about the growing number of step families and learn the do's and don'ts of patterns of family interaction. Almost all of us will have a step relationship at some point in our lives. Tune in to Step Wisdom, Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. 
One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We are talking to Amy Dawson Smith, national breeder of Yorkies, and here we go. We're going to go to my favorite topic, which is talking about children and adults with disabilities. Um, Amy, as I understand, you do have experience using your Yorkies as therapy dogs. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, so what exactly is that? What 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 do you do? What what do you use with your well, dogs? Not every dog can be a therapy dog. It takes a certain um, personality trait in in the dog, and in my particular situation, I like to do a the size I think matters too, um, where you would do a bigger Yorkie. You know, your six, seven, and even above your uh, poundage. What I do is I have several bigger females that I will breed specifically to get the therapy dogs. And the therapy dogs, basically each one is different and who they should go to is different. For example, how I got started with this is that a child psychiatrist came to my home and he goes, I really want to bring a Yorkie into my practice. And here's what I need it to be. He goes, I need it because I deal with kids to just be happy just sitting on the child and I need the dog to be bigger because I want the dog to be safe when the child is holding it. But I also want that soothing weight of the dog to be on the child because the weight kind of compresses the child a little bit and it just helps stabilize them. And what happens is, and what he wanted, and it just worked out wonderfully, is the child can come and sit on the floor with the dog. The dog will sit there and the child can pet the dog and talk to the dog and the psychiatrist can be asking the child questions, and the child can open up freely because he doesn't have to look up and look the adult in the eye. And that's a hard thing for kids to give eye contact and look up, especially if they feel that that person is an authoritative person, which a child psychiatrist would be. So this just kind of brings an element where the child can look down, he can talk, and he can be soothing, and he is soothed with the puppy. And then... After the next session comes, the child wants to come back, is willing to come back because they can pet the doggy again. They can be with the dog. So it just opens up a good communication and a good experience for the child so the psychiatrist can hit the points he needs and get information he needs but be also be able to give feedback to the child. And the child's not, you know, upset about coming and visiting and feeling like they don't even know that they're in therapy or they're, they're discussing it. It just becomes a normal conversation piece. And that's how I came across a therapy dog first. From there, it just kind of evolved into other people with other needs. Um, For instance, last week, I helped a deaf couple um, that needed a therapy dog. Now, they wanted a bigger one, again, so that because the woman was um, going to be confined to a wheelchair after she had some surgery. 
so that the dog could put their knees up on her and then she could lift the dog up onto her lap. But they were going to actually needed a dog that was not only the right size, but one that was intelligent enough to be able to learn how to sign because they could give the dog sign commands. And that dog would also be used to go out in public with them as a conduit between other people and themselves. So it really was going to serve certain needs. So that needed to be a specific dog. Now there's they a lot signed to the dog? Pardon me? Did you say they signed to the they dog? They signed to the dog, yes. And how does the dog how does the dog learn that? What happens uh, well, as you know, Yorkies are intelligent visually. It's the same training procedure as you would teach a dog to sit. You're oh. going to teach the dog signing commands. I see. It's the exact same process. That is so awesome. Yes, it is. I, I, it is. Yeah, I think part of this is also that the Yorkies intelligent. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Right. Uh, wow, that's something. Now, are these all types of uh, disabilities or specific disabilities. All types of disabilities. For, for example, how about like anxiety, autism, things like okay. that? Anxiety is huge, especially with PTSD patients, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. It can allow the person to reduce the, the amount of anxiety attacks, reduce the duration of the anxiety attacks, and also the level of the attack. Um, for instance, if you have um, an anxiety disorder and you want to take the puppy out with you, you can actually, you know, get it certified as a therapy dog. And this can allow you to go out into situations that may create the anxiety attack, and this can lessen it. And, you know, you won't have as many usually, you know, if it is actually working. With autism, it depends on the level of autism. Now, there's certain, you know, there's, there's calm autism, and it can help draw the child into a different place. Um, but if there's a child that's some autism, can the child can have a reaction that could be maybe a, like a throwing or a temper tantrum. If the child is frustrated with his autism, you wouldn't want to put a, a puppy into that situation because the puppy could be harmed. But most autism, you could put the puppy into the situation, and it can help the child communicate and feel something different from its normal toys because this is a live creature. It can be, you know, pet. And the puppy gives back feedback. There's, there's little um, essences that go back between you and a puppy and thus a dog. And the puppy knows what each person in the family needs from it and will respond that way. And it's really just a good feeling. And you also have to bear in mind, too, that when you have, bring a puppy into a situation where it's going to be used as a therapy dog, you have to take into account the other personalities in the home and if it's going to work for everybody. Because a puppy will, let's say, play with this person, but yet wants to sit with this person, and it needs to be a, a therapy or a service dog for this person. So there's a lot of different things you need to take into consideration. Also, um, I've worked with some people that have had um, agoraphobia, which is where they go through episodes where they don't want to go outside. A puppy can actually help them go outside and enter the world again. And they can just keep taking baby steps as to how much further they go. And they can maybe eventually even just go in a ride to the store with the puppy and feel secure because it's giving them a feeling of security. So they can keep on expanding with that. Now, maybe they'll never be able to walk into a store, but maybe they can. And they can take the puppy with them, and it gives them that confidence to get through. Okay, we have a question for sure. you here from uh, Cindy in Missouri. And the question is, um, Amy, do you believe 
with a Yorkie that it is also beneficial to the entire family if you have a child with uh, a psychiatric disability or autism that the dog is helping. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, depending on, again, the type of autism, you know, that that child, how, how that child is reactive, it can because everybody can see a, a reaction in the child, a reaction between the puppy and that communication that goes with them. Dogs and children and, and people communicate in ways that don't have to be with the outspoken word. It can just be in a touch. And a mom can see this happen for her child and know that there's a reaction and that's going to give her a great joy inside. That's going to open up some more doors and another avenue of maybe reaching into this and reaching into that. A child can see that their mom feels better, that this is helping their sister or their brother or their sister, their sister's cousin, an aunt, an uncle, or a parent even. And they see this so it kind of lightens the mood for everybody in the house and gives them something to stand on and something to grasp to go into some other evolving of how that person is going to get that therapy that they need and just a wonderful experience. And it's wonderful for the dog because the dog will feel that. It will be like, oh, man, look, I made that mommy happy, and all they had to do was just sit here with this person and let this person pet me and give this person kisses. You know, so they're reactive for that, too, and it feels good to the puppy. And the puppy wants to do that experience over again. It knows that it's making you happy. So it can lighten the mood and, and take a lot of tension out of the situation. Right, and I definitely believe that, of course, if you help your child feel safer, mm-hmm. healthier, it's going to help the whole family. Right, but I just does. want to tell you, being that, as you all know, <clears throat> my listeners know I'm living with epilepsy, mm-hmm. that there are dogs that are used uh, as seizure dogs, mm-hmm. with as service dogs for people with epilepsy, mm-hmm. because somehow, uh, you know, there's like this sense that, wait a minute, something's happening to this right, person, exactly. and they will, you know, ha- either alert someone or help that person, let them know mm-hmm. it's time to sit down or right. uh, whatever. But I'm going to tell you that the children I've met that did have, with epilepsy that had a service dog, Mm -hmm. it changed their whole world. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just the, oh, if I have a seizure, they're going to warn me. It was, I have this friend. Exactly. I have somebody who loves me, Mm -hmm. and I can love them back. And then the mom loves that, the dad loves that experience, and yes, it's just, it's a good overall experience. It can enhance everybody's life in a positive way. But you have to take all those things into account, too, when you're blending a dog in there because you want it to be a good experience for everybody. Right. You want everyone to feel that way. Exactly. Exactly. Not just one person. Right. You don't want to create more tension, you know, that you want to create a good, you know, good good conduit between the child or the person and the, and the puppy and thus everybody else in the house, whether it's a caregiver or just somebody else that lives there. So if someone listening to the show right now is uh, interested in either talking to you about purchasing uh, a Yorkie or, and I don't like to say purchasing, I'll yeah. say adopting, adopting right. a Yorkie or um, a adopting a therapy Yorkie, right. how do they find you? What do they do? Well, a lot of the times they can just find me on the Internet. They can just type in Yorkie breeders or Yorkie puppies for sale, or they can just go directly to my website, which is the www.ajjlsyorkies.com. They can write to me from there. 
they can call me. Um, if they are deaf, they can just write to me, and I can, you know, write, type back and forth, and we can do texting through phone, through the phone and everything. Um, they just kind of tell me what they're looking for and what their expectations are because I want to make sure that their expectations are reasonable, that they're not reaching for more than what can be attained because you don't want to set somebody up with unreal expectations of what this experience can be, but we want to actually open the doors for them. And whether they're looking for just a pet to answer, you know, or let's say let's say you do have somebody in the house with a disability, it doesn't mean that that's the only person that that puppy can be for. Maybe you need the puppy for a person who's dealing with the person that has a disability. Let's say there's a child that has high needs in the house and you have another child who's maybe not getting the right amount of attention or feels something. Maybe the the puppy should be for that child too or another person because you just, everybody has different needs and different wants and it just, it, it just makes everybody's life better, including the life of the puppy. It opens up doors. It opens up communications. It gives them something to care for and a need to keep going in life because that puppy needs you or that dog needs you, and you just work harder. You try harder. This is why they're good for people, elderly people. It can make them actually live longer. The quality of their life is better. They'll take their medicines like they're supposed to because they know that they have to take that dog for a walk. They will eat properly because they know that they have to feed the dog and that they, if their nutrition is good, then they can take the dog with them and take their walks. Somebody needs it. Everybody wants to be needed and everybody wants to be able to have somebody that wants their love and can give them back that love. And that's what a dog can do. Yes, that is so true. Uh, Amy, would you mind repeating that website slowly for our sure. listeners? Okay, it's www.a is an apple, j is in Jack, j is in Jack again, l is in Lee, s is in Smith, Yorkies, y o r k i e s dot c o m. And, and go ahead. They can they can also call me. Um, my phone number is seven four zero eight one six five five three four, and I'm open for text messages too. And, and you know I'm I'm there. Um, when you get a puppy from me, or even if you're just wanting to know, you get me forever. You know, I'm here for you. I will help you with anything I can. Um, as far as, like, a seizure dog, in particular with the epilepsy, you do have to take them to be specifically trained to do that, to read mm-hmm. those neurotransmitters that are mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the, the, Just like uh, if you're yeah. blind. Right, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But other ones, you can teach them, you know, you can teach yourself or take them to a small class. I do a lot of screening with them. Um, I'm trying to get therapy dogs, but I'm also trying to get healthy pets. I'm always looking for the next show dog, although I'm not showing anymore. Um, I do like to have that quality because that just feels great to me to see a show dog come out. Um, and, you know, just talk. Just talk to somebody and see if this, something like this will fit into your life, but not just yours. Everybody else is in the house, too. Yeah, and let's just say, I just want to mention this. Uh, you all know that I work with a lot of young people and high school students with disabilities, mm-hmm. um, and I know that I've lost young people to suicide as a result of bullying. Um, and I just want to tell you, if you feel left out, your child, boy, can a pet help. Oh, it can. Because all of a sudden, I do have a friend, and I do have someone that wants me. Um, This brings me to my next question. Uh, Amy, if, say, someone was in a situation, just as I described Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. or they have a child, you know, 
that has some uh, issues that are causing them to be very introverted, whatever it is, would they be able to go to where you're located and, you know, take their child with them? Oh, heavens, yes. I would want them to. I would prefer that. They can do that. And what they'll find is there may be a match at that time. There may not be. But it'll at least let you know if you're going down the right avenue. Um, a, a dog and a child and a dog or a person or a teenager with needs is a wonderful thing. That puppy knows it and will come and respond immediately. There's a connection that goes on. It can only be given by the good Lord above. And it happens, and if it's a meant-to-be thing, you'll know it, you'll see it, and you'll feel it. But particularly for an introverted child or somebody who um, does have issues with bullying or something, this is giving them a confidant. This is giving them somebody who needs them and can help them get through day-to-day, somebody to talk to, somebody to lay on the bed and cuddle with, somebody to listen to music with or to sit on your lap when you're typing on your computer and to talk to, and plus it can let them realize the more that they work with that dog, that they are needed. That dog needs them, so that dog can help get, improve their inner strength if they just listen and realize, okay, this dog needs me, so I don't care if this person is picking on me. I've got somebody who loves me and needs me, and it can really, really help. And may I just say, Amy has worked with celebrities where she's found dogs for people like mm-hmm. Wayne Newton. Um, and there's, is it there's, there was some TV show one of your dogs was yeah, on? Yeah, going, I actually have three dogs on TV right now. And there's going to be another one coming out soon. There's another show coming out. I can't talk about it yet. But yes, I have three dogs that are on TV all, you know, on a kind of a continuous basis. And it's, it's fun. It's fun to see. Some of the celebrities I'm allowed to say, and some I can't. You know, because of confidentiality agreements. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what's really nice is, in particular with celebrities, they're just people too. And they'll get down on the floor in their blue jeans and roll on the floor with puppies crawling all over them and licking their faces and tearing up their hair too, just like everybody else. And that's another thing that a dog does. It just lets us all be human and connect. Yeah, and you know why I'm telling you that, listeners, is that she may work with celebrities but she treats everyone the same. Mm-hmm. Talking about Amy, she treats everyone the same. You'll really enjoy working with her. And as I said, if you have a child, teenager being bullied, whatever, I really would think about this if I were you because mm-hmm. I believe it will help. Mm-hmm. But, Amy, I have to ask you a few last questions. Sure. One is it's obvious how much you love animals. Yes. I wanted to ask you, did you have a role model that you think impacted you the most? You know, I've had a lot of role models and a lot of experiences that influenced me. Um, uh, just my mom give, letting me have the animals I wanted. And my dad, I had an aunt that actually used to uh, be in the Zigfield Follies, and she lived in New York, and she had multiple dogs also. Um, and then there was a movie. I don't know if some of you are too young to know, but there was a movie when I was a little kid called Born Free. And it was about a lion, and her it was a lioness, and her name was um, Elsa, and how she raised her cubs, and it was very heartwarming, and also it was a little, tra- you know, there's a little bit of tragedy in it, but that influenced me too because it let me know that animals all have feelings, they all express love, they all express pain, they all express when they're hurt, they can tell you when they're happy, they experience sadness, they experience grief just like all of us, and it let me know that that goes from 
animal to animal to animal to person to person to person. And I think those were the things that influenced me the most was just that they need us and we needed them. How about that? And by the way, Amy lives in Ohio, in case you were wondering that. And if you email me at BenderConsult.com or VoiceAmerica.com, they'll get the information back to me and we'll get it to Amy. Um, But as I said, if you're in groups working with high school students Uh with disabilities or young children, uh, this is something I would suggest that you really think about because trust me, it is. This jasmine changed my whole office, although we already were happy here. We're even happier than we were before, um, and it really would help many of these young people that I work with. So, Amy, you already are such an accomplished woman with what you have achieved, um, bringing happiness also to so many people. But if you had to think of one thing that you think, wow, this was my greatest accomplishment, what would it be? I think my greatest accomplishment was that I have been knocked down very, very many times in my life, very, very bottom, you know, where really bad experiences have happened, and I got up, and I got up, and I did better. And I knew I could be knocked down again, but I knew that if I was, that I could get up again. And I think that is my my biggest accomplishment is my inner strength, you know, yeah, I can take the knocks. Yeah, they hurt. And yeah, they knock me off my feet. And it may take me a long, long time to adjust, but I can do it. And I did do it. And if it happens again, I'll do it again. And well, that is a great accomplishment <laughs> because I always tell my employees or young people with disabilities, everyone can get hit, mm-hmm. but not everyone can get back up. Exactly. And okay. you know what? It just makes you stronger over the mm-hmm. long run. It does. It doesn't matter. So, Amy, (laughs) yes, that's right. Amy, um, what message? What message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I think the message I want to leave with your listeners today is um, be open for new experiences and think about them and think about how, how they can change your life and affect not only you, but the people that you touch and the people around you. There can be untold miracles out there that can happen and they don't have to be big you know hit you in the face miracles they can just be something as simple as a child petting an animal and feeling that emotion it's just a wonderful connection these creatures that are out there for us and these experiences all we have to do is let them happen and see them when they do and just rejoice in the fact that they're there Amen to that. Well, you know, folks, we end every quote with a famous civil rights leader or with someone that has impacted the world in general. So you're wondering, what could that be today? Well, here it is, and then I'll tell you who said it. I am in favor of animal rights as well as human rights. That is the way of a whole human being said President Abraham Lincoln. And isn't that what it's all about? Amy, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Joyce, for having me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And to all of you, I hope you do follow up. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. 
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.